0: The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT and
1: Take12Radio.com are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship.
0: Welcome to Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder and Monty Meyer.
1: And now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man.
0: Well, greetings, friends, recovery scallywags, all of you out there. We're doing this thing one day at a time, one show at a time, one Diet Pepsi at a time, as in my case, right at the very moment, as I savor this wonderful brew in front of me. We have a, I just want to let people know, we have a a new show right now called The Coffee Experiment, uh, Chris, and that thing is uh, going on on Wednesdays, and we have a different kind of coffee or beverage that uh that we uh introduce ourselves to and tell the listeners about and then we have it up on the web page where they can get it through amazon and that helps to uh a little bit it helps to uh, to sponsor that show uh i'm i'm drinking right now a diet pepsi with lemon in it i've never had that and i gotta tell you i was kidding about it being it's absolutely horrible <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Pepsi won't be sponsoring us, but uh, it is a great day to be clean and sober. This is Walking Through the Big Book with uh, Chris Schroeder. I am your co-host, the Monty Man. Chris, how the heck are you, buddy?
2: Oh, really good today, Monty. Really good.
0: We have uh, really this has been such a such a great thing. I was I was at the uh, the web page um, that this broadcast from uh, yesterday, and I was looking at all the play the play buttons usually we just have one play button on a page but we've been putting them all on there so people don't have to go back to a to an archive or something and i was thinking you know god is so good man what did you ever think for a minute you know 20 30 whatever years ago that you would be um, part of this great this great movement of teaching this wonderful program that saves so many lives did you ever think you would ever do something like that
2: yeah, you, know, you know, Monty. Back in the '80s, no one was really asking for my opinion on anything. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they were—they were saying, "Would you? Would you just shut up? You know, would you stop talking? Would you just, would you just please go away?" <laughs> so, so to be to be asked. <laughs> to do something like this is you know quite quite a turnaround absolutely oh
0: it 's wonderful and I, I and I want to mention to the listeners too uh, really quickly would would you uh, tell the listeners about uh, your website afflicted and affected we don 't talk about that too much on this show and I, I I think we need to do that
2: absolutely afflicted and affected has a a specific uh, agenda, and basically what that is is we we try to track down the absolute uh, top people. Uh, that revolve around uh, uh, alcoholism and addiction treatment, uh, the, the the professionals, uh, the researchers, the people that own uh, the treat- treatment centers, run the treatment centers, uh, different services uh, that are available, different products that are available, and we, we try to, to interview these people because uh, I think I think a real educated recovered alcoholic uh is of more use uh than than one that doesn't really know so uh if, if we're to be of maximum service to, to those about us, uh, I think it's incumbent upon us to learn what we can about, uh, about some of these processes. You know, recovery really is a continuum, uh, yeah. and, and the, the, it goes from active alcoholism or active drug addiction uh, to, to long-term contented and uh, uh, happy uh, uh, sobriety um, uh, and recovery. But usually, in the beginning part of that continuum, many of us uh are have to be exposed to or or are or have to expose people to uh treatment or detox or or therapeutics of one kind or another and and to understand a little bit about that really is the uh uh, uh, the point of the show—to uh, try to—to to try to talk about best practices and uh, and 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 things that you know recovery resources that are available out there. So uh, it's mainly the professionals that we uh, that we interview on Afflicted and Affected.
0: Uh, tell us uh, just a couple of people that you've had on. Oh,
2: you know, we've we've we we just had, did a show with Andrea Barthwell, who was uh, the deputy uh, drug czar. Uh, you know, We've had Michael Miller, you know, the president of ASAM, on there. We, we've had Ron Hunsicker, who's the president of NATAP. Uh, we get to a lot of people. We, we've had uh, uh, Ben Levinson and uh, the people who were running Origins on there. We've had Mark Houston from Mark Houston Recovery Center. Uh, we've had a lot of people from the Karen uh, uh, Treatment Center uh-huh. and, and group. On there, and again, you know, we've also talked about a lot of uh, services and products that are available. You know, we just uh, we just did a show with uh, E Rehab Coach, the people who run that, and and that's a that's a service that you can operate through your cell phone or your iPhone or your computer. It's a, kind of a aftercare support. Uh, We had treatment seekers on. There's a website that's going to go live very, very soon that's going to be like the blue book of treatment centers. Uh, You you can fill out, uh, basically you fill out um, uh, uh, an assessment form on on what what you're doing and what you need help with. And uh, the computer program will match you with uh, the most uh, specific rehabs that uh uh will pertain to your uh, your uh um, recovery and treatment wow. processes. So I mean, you know, there's just been so many people. There's probably we've done about 110 shows and they're all in the archive section, the past show section on Afflicted and Affected. I I would recommend that anyone interested just just leaf through there and you're going to find somebody that uh uh, that's of interest
0: to you. And, and folks, you can go there by going to uh, www.theafflictedandaffected.com. You can also go to our links page and uh, click on it as well. In fact, if you're on the page that the show is broadcasting from, there is a link right below uh, Chris's picture there that says visit the afflicted and affected. Uh, okay, all this stuff, a lot of this stuff didn't even exist back in the 1930s. We had, as one person said it, we didn't have alcoholics back then. We had drunks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, one of the things that is, is so wonderful to be able to, hear, to do here at take12radio.com, folks, is, is to uh, bring to you uh, every, <clears throat> every week. This this great, and I'm not saying this because I'm patting either Chris or myself on the back, but it's it really is. God has done a great thing by uh, really allowing us to be stewards over this show and bring to you uh, really the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page by word by word, page by page. And Chris does such a a great job of this. So we left off. uh, We're still in how it works, and uh, tell us where we left off here, Chris.
2: All right, well, we, you know, Monty, what we talked about in the last couple of weeks were the inventory process, the four-step inventory process. In the third step, we, 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 you know, in the first three steps, we come to the conclusion that we're powerless over alcohol. In other words, we've got a mind that will take us back to alcohol and a body that will ensure it kills us. We come to believe, we we start to see that there may be a power that we can access, uh, and this book is, is pretty clear that that power is God. And in the third step, we make a decision to try to access that power. Uh, we, we understand uh, that without some power in our lives, we're going to stay revolving in al- uh, the alcoholic uh, web, and we're we're not gonna see the light of day just because we want to or need to. There's gotta be a power that we don't possess that we access, so in the third step, we make a decision to, to access that power. That decision is then followed by uh, a commitment, uh, and that commitment are, is really the steps. In the fourth step, the f- first thing we need to do is Identify uh, what is what's what's our problem? What's wrong with us? <laughs> Why do we keep shooting ourselves in the foot? Uh, what what's the exact nature of the the uh, the issues, the defects of character, uh, the flaws in our makeup that continue to uh, uh, to plague us and ensure that we're never going to get anywhere? We need to we need to inventory those and identify them. So there's a resentment inventory that deals with our anger, that deals with our hatred, that deals with our resentment, and we, you know we look at ha- the the nature of resentment, and uh, each of us is uh, are, are are specifically asked to uh, to do writing on certain aspects of the resentment. Uh, you know, where it, if, what it, what's what's the nature of self uh, that causes these resentments, and then we're to look at what, what is our part. What is our part in the anger? And there always is some. Then we looked at the fear inventory. We looked at why we had anxiety, trepidation, a sense of impending doom. Why are we? Why are we handicapped by this? This just sense of we we can't we can't deal. It's going to go wrong. Uh, you know the future is uncertain and scary. You know, we need to look at that. So the uh, the object of uh, of the inventory is is to take a, a closely examine the nature of fear and why we have fear, and all through these inventories are prayer directives uh, we 're we're, we're to really you know because we 've turned our will and our lives over to the care of God, we need to have God as part of this inventory process and and ask at certain points for for certain things. Uh, where, we, where we left off last week is basically we're, uh, we're looking at uh, the sex inventory, ba- basically the, the relationship inventory with uh, an emphasis on sex. Where, where have we caused harm? And uh, I'm going to pick up on the bottom of page 68. That's uh, from, uh, from a first edition. Now, about sex, many of us needed an overhauling there. You know, that, that's a pretty strong statement. Uh, if you know anything about mechanics, uh, Monty, what is an overhauling? Let's say you need to overhaul your, your pickup truck or something. What is that?
0: If my pickup truck needs an overhaul, it means that it needs to be rebuilt, really, down almost from scratch and totally renewed. I need, I need a new carburetor. I need new cables. I need, new, I need the whole nine yards.
2: Absolutely. It is not a mere tune-up. No. <laughs> so, so, so as an alcoholic, uh, if, our, if our sex conduct and our intimate lives need a complete overhauling, that, that means we, we, need to, we definitely need to rebuild this thing from the ground up. Uh, we've been running on selfishness and self-centeredness. We've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be harmed. We've harmed people coming from a a foundation of selfishness and self-centeredness. So we, we need to honestly go back and look at our intimate relationships. Now, I don't believe that this inventory is only for people we've been sexually intimate with. I think that it's quite appropriate for, uh, for certain friendships, even certain family members. Anywhere where there's a, there's a close bond with someone, it would, it would do us well to, uh, to inventory in the way it lays it out. Because we need to see how we're showing up. How are we showing up out in the world? Uh, if we were showing up in a really great way, we'd be doing a whole lot better than we are right now. <laughs> <You>
1: know, <laughs>
2: yeah. That is that's that's the that's the best thing I can say to somebody who doesn't feel that they need to do this or doesn't want to do this. Well, how's you, how's your way working?
1: <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. they
2: <laughs> they usually are walking for the next two years because because of a DUI or or you know they're on, they're on thin ice with the family and the employer uh that that's usually how we come into uh a support fellowship uh or or, or uh, that's how that's how we are when we're about to ask someone to sponsor us or something we're not doing real well so, uh, again, it's, it's a difficult concept to get with that you are your own problem. Your problems are not coming at you. They're coming from you. It's difficult. So an inventory process is really about showing you on paper that your problems are not coming at you. They're coming from you because after you take responsibility for these things, that you find in these in this inventory, that, that sets the stage for some serious pro- progress. Uh, it sets the stage for recreating your life with God's help. So when they talk about sex, it says, but above all, we try to be sensible on this question. It is so easy to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd, uh, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have those voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. I think he's he's making a a poke at Freud here. Mm -hmm. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all in a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this conf- controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. Here's the important part. What can we do about them? Now, this paragraph basically paints the picture of we're not looking for a high moral judgment as far as the act of sex is concerned it basically says in here that we let God be the ultimate judge but but what we need to do is we need to get down to causes and conditions of why is this harming us why is this harming others that's a that's a very very important point bill didn't think that uh, didn't think it would be useful for people to believe that those you know coming out of this book wanted you to just Become uh, become uh, completely abstinent as far as sex is concerned. You know, to become completely celibate. That's not that's not the point. And nor should we. Uh, nor should we just become absolutely free and loose with it. Yeah. What we need to do is we need to bring God into uh, our our sex conduct. And it basically says that we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's uh, sex conduct. So. So as far as what type of sex someone has or who they have it with, you know, we're not the arbiters of that. But what we want to do is we want to bring you back to the question of where is this causing harm? Because it's the harm that generates the guilt, the shame, and the remorse. The guilt, the shame, and the remorse cause our spiritual conditions to erode. And it's by having an eroded spiritual condition that brings us back to drinking alcohol. Right. It's a point point of really looking deeply into these relationships that we've had, figuring out what we've done wrong, and then moving forward. So it's a very constructive inventory. It's not a moral judgment. It's more of a constructive inventory. Let's, Let's figure out where it hasn't worked.
0: In the past. And don't you think, don't you think, Chris, that, <clears throat> like you said, we bring God in, into this situation. We look at uh, what it, you know, what is being harmed, and so forth, and so on. And, and don't you, don't you think? This has been my experience that the moral end of it kind of takes care of itself anyway when we start involving God in this whole process. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
2: if there's no, if there's no uh, overt harm being caused by your behavior, you're almost automatically moral. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have relationships with people or you can't right. enjoy sex. You just need to do it more on God's terms than coming from a foundation of selfishness and self-centeredness.
0: Like any of our behaviors.
2: Absolutely. You, yeah. know, you know, what I've seen in, in certain support groups a lot is every once in a while there'll be predators. They will, there will be people who uh, are all about going to the meetings and finding a pretty susceptible newcomer. You know, someone that they can uh, have you know, because they're very, very involved in multiple sexual experiences, and they'll come in and 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 they'll they'll pr- they'll prey on the newcomer. They'll tell the newcomer what, whatever they need to hear to be able to to get into an intimate relationship with them. Uh, that's that's something that you know I don't necessarily need to be the arbiter of that, right. but I'll tell you what that that is about the quickest way for someone to relapse, if they're really an alcoholic, that there is. Because if we continue to cause harm out there, it's very specific in this inventory, if we continue to cause harm out there, we're gonna drink if we're really an alcoholic. Every once in a while, there'll be predators who last for years in the support group meetings. They are not alcoholic or they are not drug addicts because this, this, uh, this process makes very, very clear that if you continue to cause harm to others, you're gonna get drunk. So if you don't get drunk, you're obviously not an alcoholic and you're in the rooms uh, with a specific agenda, hmm. and and people people should understand that, and people should be aware of that, and uh, you know maybe we're not the arbiters of anyone's uh, sex conduct, but we can certainly try to protect the newcomer. They're supposedly uh, under our uh, under our, our care at certain points, especially when we're working with them, and uh, you know you'll you'll see the you'll see the good sponsors or spiritual advisors uh, warning either against you know preying on, uh, on people or against people that might prey on them. Yeah. So, you know, that's not really uh, arbitrating sexual conduct. That's just coming clear out of the book on harm, you know, the harm that can be caused. Here's, uh, here's the directive for the, the inventory. This is what it tells us to do on paper. It says, we've reviewed our own conduct over the years past. What I'll do with somebody that I'm taking through the steps is I'll say, listen, write a couple of paragraphs on each specific uh, uh, instance. You're going to have some guilt. You're going to, you, you know, you ask God to help you put down the people you need to put down on this inventory, and people are going to come to you. So do a short review of the relationship. You know, so that's what, it asks you to do that. We reviewed our conduct over the years past. Now, here are three questions. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? <clears throat> Notice that it says where. It doesn't say were. So if we were in a relationship, remember we need a complete overhauling. If we have been in, a, in, a, in relationships, we've been selfish, we've been dishonest, and we've been inconsiderate, whether we think so or not. So look, and, and where, where you were, you write that down. That, that's, uh, that's basically question one, two, and three after the review. Then it said then it says whom did we hurt? That's basically uh, that's basically question uh, number five. Now in this question, who did we hurt? obviously we've hurt the person. They're on the top of the, the top of the harms list. yeah however, there's collateral damage in these relationships. We might have hurt their parents, we might have hurt their spouses, we might have hurt their children. In this completely self-centered, in need of overhauling uh, type of a relationship, there's going to be collateral damage. We we list those people out. Then it asks, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Most of the time, we do. A lot of a lot of us, a lot of this, uh, use sex as a weapon. Or, uh, you know, we're trophy hunters, or or it it makes us feel like we're more of a man, you know, if we, you know, if we have a a longer record. And a, a lot of times when you're operating from that platform, uh, you're gonna cause, uh, uh, jealousy, you're gonna cause suspicion, you're gonna cause bitterness. Just, just my, a little bit from my own personal experience. What, what I, how I would operate, Monty, is. I would find someone that would be susceptible, you know, to my charms, whatever they might have been at uh-huh. that particular time. It was usually somebody that acted even the slightest bit interested in me. Uh, I would do what I needed to do to get the deal done, and then I would try to figure out how to extricate myself from that from that relationship. You know, if I wasn't totally attracted to them, i tried try to figure out how to get out of it. Uh-huh. And, and listen, when you do that to to women what happens is is you're coming off like they're they're really they're really special and then you're showing them that they're actually not and it causes a it causes a lot of harm you know to 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 the women now now the women have different kind of problems maybe the same maybe maybe different kind of problems uh, and harms that they have uh in in their relationships maybe they use maybe use they use sex as a as a bartering tool or something you know but that's not why God gave us the sex instinct right God gave us the sex instinct I believe uh two things I know one of them is we need that instinct for the race to sur- survive yeah so if we didn't want to do it we wouldn't do it, and then there wouldn't be any children, and mankind would have died out. So God made it enjoyable, okay? God made us want to do it, and God made it enjoyable. Those are God-given aspects of our sexuality. We complicate it coming from a place of selfishness, Deciding that we want it on our terms, you know, it doesn't matter if it's going to hurt anybody or if it's appropriate or, or or if it's considerate of other people. We're we want it the way we want it, when we want it, and that's where that's where self comes in. And, and if God was more directing our uh, our, our sex conduct, it, you know, it's not like we wouldn't get any sex. It would just it would just be. Uh, it would be of a better quality and cause less harm. Yeah. So, so you know, selfishness, self-centeredness. Again, that's the root of our troubles. So uh, uh, we look at where we've aroused jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness. Okay, that's that's question six, seven, and eight, I believe. And you know, number it out on a piece of paper. You know, write it out. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have. It it says, did we unjustifiably arouse? So if you did, you you write that out. And it says, where were we at fault? That would be question number nine. What should we have done instead? That would be question number ten. Notice that it says, what should we have done instead? Not what could we have done instead. What could we have done instead? Probably nothing, because we were being driven by a hundred forms of selfishness, fear, uh-huh. you know, resentment, and, and, uh, and, and you know, self-seeking. So you know, we might have even been doing the the best we could have at that point in time because we were we were a, we were a, a prey to our character defects and we were caught up in a in an alcoholic struggle that we didn't fully understand. So maybe we maybe we couldn't have done anything better. But what should we have done instead? and you basically you write out well well maybe i should have been honest with that woman instead of making her believe that there was a possibility of a long-term relationship and then dumping her you know twenty four hours after the fact Maybe I just should have been honest, you know, uh, about about my my feelings. And, you know, it might be as simple as that. It, it might be as complicated as, as what I should have done, is I should have invited God into every one of my relationships and operated, you know, uh, uh, the way he, he would have me be and, and, and do what he would have me do. But again, you know, that's what we should have been doing. Right. We're only getting access to the power of God as we go through these steps.
0: And you know what? You know what, Chris. I I think a lot of folks in in working with uh, with sponsees myself, they get a funny look on their face when you know I, I can use some strong language sometimes to say, you know, when we do some of these behaviors with with members uh, of the opposite sex, you know, it, it's it's a form of abuse. You know, we it's it's it, it's sexual abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, and I think sometimes. In the things that we do, when we do what we do, when we want to do it, when we want to do it, we don't realize how abusive that is to the other individual.
2: You know, there there may be totally consensual recreational sex out there, Monty. There may be. I've never seen it. Always, always, in my experience, emotions are involved. Yeah. Okay? It's an intimate action. It you know, we're 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 instinctually monogamous on a number of levels, especially women. And, you know, if if we operate outside the parameters that you know we were designed as human beings to operate, um there you know there's there's going to be collateral damage. Yeah. And it's that collateral damage if we continue to perpetuate that collateral damage. That puts our spiritual condition in peril and we can drink and for us to drink is to die. So it's, it's vitally important that we get this under control. It says we get this all down on paper and we looked at it. So after the inventory, after it's all down on paper, study it, do some meditation on it. You need to really see what kind of patterns have evolved within your own conduct with others and then this is the sex ideal or this is the uh... this is the intimacy ideal or uh, this is the friendship ideal. You, know, you can put ideals together for anything that you want to because it's a great exercise. Here he gives us an idea to put, uh, put our sex ideal together.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And it says here, in this way we tried to sh- shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation, each of the inventories, to this test. Was it selfish or not? And, you know, 90% of the time, <laughs> all of them are going to be selfish. Yeah. Now, now, this is a prayer directive. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. So after we've put down our ideal, we've already seen what doesn't work. We see what happens when we're operating from a foundation of selfishness and self-centeredness. Now we write down the attributes that we would like to show up at the next party with or the attributes that we would like to bring uh, the, the, the special uh, person or persons in our life. How do, how do we want to show up? Obviously, we've seen the, the destructive nature of some of these things doing the inventory. So what we do is we put down, uh, we put down attributes. We put down how the, the, the way we want to be perceived, uh, the way we want to interact with others. We write that down as an ideal. Here's, here's a great, here's a great promise that's not in the book. You attract what you are. If you're a, if you're a miserable, conniving, fanatical, insane individual, that's usually the type of people you're going to be attracting. So if you're very, very selfish in your relationships, you're going to attract very, very selfish people or very, very codependent people as the case <laughs> may be, uh, if you, if you get to a point where you're really healthy and really spiritual and God is really working through your life, that's what's going to become attracted to you. So you attract kind of what you are. So it's important for us to improve. We're in the middle of a complete rebuild. We want to put it all back together correctly so that we're not causing harm and we're getting some real value, some, some real uh, value out of our intimate relationships. Um, we remembered that always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly nor to be despised or loathed. Whatever our ideal, our sex ideal turns out to be, we we must be willing to grow toward it. Remember we're asking God to help mold our ideals and help us live up to them that can be part of your morning prayer ritual if you want Mm -hmm. we must be willing to make amends where we have done harm provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing Uh, a lot of times the amends that revolve around our sex conduct have to be approached very very carefully you do not you know you do not drive four towns over knock on some woman's door that you that you know you were in a a crazy relationship with 10 years ago Uh, the husband answers the door and you say uh, excuse me is is bunny here i need to cover off some sex harms (laughs) Uh, i mean you you have to you can't cause other harms you also you know can't can't blankly you know, admit to every impropriety in the world to somebody and crush them emotionally in doing so. You have to be very, very careful with these amends. And uh, when we get to the amends part of uh, of this process, you know, we'll see very, very clearly how to make those amends. But it's not something that you want to run right out and do right after a four-step. You need some guidance. You need a lot more uh, work with God Uh, it's a real good idea to be going through this with someone that's experienced and to not run off like a crazy man making amends to your last 13 girlfriends right in a row just to see what would happen. You know, I mean, that that can be foolish.
0: And and I think we can – I've seen this happen, especially with guys. I don't know what it is. Uh, It seems to me that when we have a conflict or we've caused harm and when we come to the place where we realize we need to take care of that – we go out full bore. We want to we want to get rid of that problem now. We don't want to have any any issues just go take care. And some people just aren't ready to hear it yet. Well, it also says
2: we don't want we we're not sweeping off our side of the street and then pushing it over on our neighbor. Yeah. Okay. We need to be very very considerate of others. Uh we need to we need to show uh uh, restraint. Sometimes we need mm-hmm. to we need we need to be very very uh, specific about uh, placing other people's welfare ahead of our own. Y- yes, we should we should make amends, but we need to think very very clearly with these sex sex harms amends uh, whether or not it's going to cause someone more suffering uh, for us to approach them uh, than not. Yeah, you know. So again, it's it's really a good idea to do this with someone who uh, has some experience. Sure. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. If we're turning our will and our lives over to the care of God, and then we're seeking through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God, uh, asking for God to be our director, our principal, and our father, there needs to be some communication back and forth. Prayer. Prayer. Uh, prayer is easy to understand. The meditative practices are vital, also, because sometimes it's in meditation that the answers come to us. Um, with, with very few people, does God uh, speak in first person?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, usually, we have to we have to uh, divine God's will through our intuitive capacity, or through other people, or or seeing uh, seeing the wisdom. What what the Oxford Group would do is they would sit in meditation. And they would they would ask a question, or they would wait for guiding thoughts. They would write them down on a piece of paper. These guiding thoughts. Then they would check them with the four absolutes, which which are right. absolute purity. You know, is this is this thought or this decision or this action absolutely pure? Is it absolutely selfless? Is it is it absolutely honest? Is it absolutely loving? I believe those are the four
1: absolutes. Uh huh.
2: Um, and, it, and if, it, and if there was, it was a yes to all of those, they would believe that to be a guided thought. And that's how they communicated with God, the early Oxford
1: group. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: there's a pamphlet, uh, a wonderful pamphlet called How to Talk to God, uh, that was published um, you know, back in the 30s uh, by Oxford group members, and that's how they did it. Uh, that was kind of left out of, of the big book. Um, it, it was more kind of left open. How to uh, how to communicate uh, communicate with God, but that's how they did it back then, you know. And you know, more has been revealed. Uh, there's there's religious practices that that uh, are, are you know have specific disciplines about how you do this, and all of those are, are well and, and fine. But what you need to do is you need to be seeking uh, from the spirit part of your nature the right thought or the right action in each of these uh, in each of these things. Um, um, the right answer will come if we want it.
0: There, there it is, right there. There's the <clears throat> there's the thing that qualifies it. If we want it, and how many times do we go to God and ask for guidance, but deep down inside we're still looking for what <laughs> we want and not His guidance.
2: You know, if God's running my sex life, I may never get any action. You know, you know, you'll hear you'll hear that from a newcomer. No, you're, no, the action that you're going to get is going to be more God directed and more substantial and more intimate than anything you've had before. You know, picking people up in bars. You know, you know yeah, what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. And
2: and that's what that's what uh, that's what you come to find out when you do this. Here, here's here's something that uh, that always has gotten me. People want to give opinions based on experiences that they've never had. Yeah. <laughs> you, go to, you go into a step meeting in any of the recovery support fellowships, and you'll hear people one after another sharing about their opinion on certain steps. Well, well, I, you know, I've got experience on not living the steps, and I've got experience living the steps, okay? My experience right. living the steps Trump's your opinion, because if you haven't done the steps, you don't know what they're going to they're going to be about. You've only got an opinion on an experience you've never had. So many people want to argue with me about a step, my own experience on a step, one step or another. (laughs) You know, that can't possibly be true. Well, have you ever done this? step? Well, no, but it still can't possibly be true. Well, you're giving me an opinion on an experience you've never had. Why would I want to even listen to you? I've actually done this. I've actually experienced it, and I'm sharing my experience, my strength, and my hope. That's what I'm told to do. Yet people will, will have problems with that because they've got some preconceived notion about, about what this process involves, and they've never experienced it, so it's a bizarre uh, preconception about this uh, this process and and sometimes they don't even know it I mean how do you know what you don't know so uh, so for anyone out there who uh, who has any issue with any of the things uh, you and I are talking about Monty, I would say studying this is a waste of time experiencing it is what this whole thing is about yeah you, you, you know what we are? We're, we're like signposts, okay? Uh-huh. And a lot of people that, that read a lot of books and, you know, go to a lot of step meetings and, and, and you know, hear – what they're doing is they're collecting – they're collecting signs. The signs aren't important. What's important is where the signs point to.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. yeah. They're, they're
2: missing the forest because they're collecting the yeah. trees. Yeah, you bet. And you see that so often. This workshop that we're doing is important only if it can help convince or, or, or motivate someone into gaining their own personal experience with this stuff. Mm-hmm. If you do these things, there's a series of promises that are going to come true. They're remarkable promises, and we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start, uh, uh, because it's gonna—it could mean the difference between your your life and your death.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but it's certainly gonna uh, gonna mean the difference between living a, a a very unsatisfactory life and living a very satisfactory life. That's what this process really offers. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with others is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Now, here's a warning. There's also reverse promises in here. There's wonderful promises, and then there's reverse promises. These warnings are saying, you know, if you don't, this is, this is what we promise you. <laughs> Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? You know, every once in a while, we're going to know the right thing to do, and we're just not going to do it. Yeah, you and, bet. And, and we're human, you know. We, we're going to fall short in word, thought, and deed every day. We don't use that as an excuse to continue our bad behavior, but sometimes we're, we're, going, to, we're going to stumble. Um, does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and on our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done, and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. This is why I believe when there's people running through the rooms, praying on, uh, on, uh, on, you know, the... Uh, people who, who haven't really gotten a chance to get on their feet, mm-hmm. and they don't get drunk, this is what convinces me that they're not alcoholic to begin with. They're in the wrong rooms anyway, and they're there for their own particular agenda. Because if you're really alcoholic and you continue to use your sex power, you know, your charm and, and magnetism yeah. to lure people into the, into the bedroom, if you continue to do that, you're going to be drunk. And I've seen this happen countless, countless times. I've warned people over and over. And every once in a while, I get, a, I get, a, uh, I get somebody that I'm working with who just doesn't listen. And, you know, I could set the clock almost to them yeah. taking, another, dr- taking a drink. So if you really <laughs> want to get over the drinking problem, take this stuff seriously.
0: Very seriously, and Chris, I've got to I've got to share this with you. You know, here's the thing: when working with other people, and I've noticed it, and, and of course, I was guilty of this too uh, at, at a time in my life. You know, I came to a place where I was saying, "Okay, God, I will do anything you ask me to do. I will go anywhere you ask me to go." I and I and I have that have done this i monty i will do whatever you suggest you read that book to me god i will i'll pray i'll just i'll seek god's will i'll do it but don't don't get into my relationship stuff because i'm going to have sex when i want to have sex that part god you can't come in and and i'm telling it it doesn't seem to happen with anything else but when it comes, it will do everything right. But when it comes down to somebody meddling in our sexual uh, inventory, ho, 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 you can't touch that.
2: You, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not the arbiters. But but what we're there for is we're there to show them if their harms continue to cause, co- if, yeah, if their yeah. actions continue to cause harms, they're going to drink. And, you know, it needs to be looked at. It, does it mean they're never going to get action again? No. What it means is, is it means they have to be considerate of others. Remember the third step prayer? and Remember the seventh step prayer? Those prayers really weren't for us. Mm. They were to fit ourselves to be of maximum benefit to God and other people. Because mm-hmm. that's the solution to alcoholism, living life along spiritual lines instead of selfish lines. Yeah. So it's a matter, you know, do you want to overcome drinking? You know, do, do you want to overcome alcoholism? Do you want the problem to be to be removed? Do you want to be in a place safe and protected from the next trigger, drinker, drugger or don't you? These are facts out of our experience. They're not theories. Yeah. So so again, I don't need to get involved uh, uh, on a very intimate or detailed level with an individual except to make sure that they're clear on the fact that they can't continue to cause harms. Yeah. Because we don't have the luxury as alcoholics to do that. Normal people may, but we don't have the luxury to do that. We, all, we also don't have the luxury to drink. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we're, we don't have the luxury for. If you don't accept that, if you don't take responsibility for that, you ain't going to make it. No. You know, and, and that's basically what I tell somebody. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get really deeply involved uh, uh, with, uh, with it other than that, because that's, that's, that's the big problem. Uh, to sum up about sex, here's a prayer directive. We earnest pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each question, question, questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. So that's a prayer directive. You need to be pray- When it says to pray, part of working a program is to be saying these prayers. If you, if you if you want to raise your hand and say, I'm working a program, you better be saying these prayers. Otherwise, don't say you're working a program, because that's part of the program. Mm-hmm. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. You know where we've been heartbroken or where, you know, we've got unrequited love or where there's, you know, it's hitting the fan Uh, time and time again, working with others and trying to help them will save us. So if we're embroiled in, you know, romantic difficulties, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to just stop and move on to an alcoholic that we can help. That works. You know that that works. Try, sometimes, sometimes trying to keep trying to keep those relationships going is is not uh, something that's going to work. So if we're if we're helping others, we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Now, here are the promises that they put up on the wall. You ever been to a support group meeting, Monty, where they've got the Twelve Promises up on the wall?
0: <laughs> yeah, like those are the promises. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. the. I mean, yeah. this is all you're going
2: to get, folks. I mm-hmm. mean, it really is shortchanging it a group is. to put these up on the wall. First of all, every action step has a series of absolutely wonderful promises that follow it. These are the promises that come. These are the promises uh, uh, that that come from. Uh, 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 from the fourth step if we have been thorough about our personal inventory we've written down a lot we've listed and analyzed our resentment we've begun to comprehend their futility and fatality we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness now here we go we've begun to learn tolerance patience and goodwill toward all men even our enemies for we look upon them as sick people We've listed the people we've hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. I like this part where it says we start to look at people. Um, we look at them as sick people, the people that we really hate. We talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if I perceive somebody as being, um, being, you know, not right,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's like it's not their fault. Like they're not doing it to me. They're just doing it. If I can perceive it that way, I don't feel like I'm under attack. I just see somebody who may not be as spiritually uh, advanced as as they might be. You know, we're all on this world, I believe we're all on this planet to learn spiritual lessons and to grow in understanding and, and communion with our Creator. I think that's why we're here. And some of us are a little further on than others. So if we look upon somebody as you know maybe not being as far along the spiritual path as they might be, we can look on it with compassion instead of resentment. We can look on it like, wow, they're they're just acting out instead of they're attacking me. You know, it's a sh- it's a shift in perception, mm-hmm. and that's that's a really really great promise to be able to not be freaked out by people anymore. Yeah. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. There's a wonderful promise, too. Uh, faith will do for us what we can't do ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grocer handicaps, you have made a good beginning. So, so what's a four-step? It's a beginning it's not it's not your membership into the rooms what what it is is you've identified the problems pretty well you've engaged god in this process uh, you see where you've been destructive and caused harm but that's just a beginning for the removal of those to be able to really start living life along spiritual lines you need to continue to go further um that being so you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself and that's the end of the chapter how it works
0: you know chris uh it's interesting when it says we hope uh for us what we could not do for ourselves we're talking about faith we hope you are convinced now <laughs> like yeah. before we weren't you know now we hope you're convinced that god can remove whatever s- uh, self will was blocked you off you know when i first when i f- first uh went through my first formal working of the steps, what I would call my, you know, when I sit sitting down and got serious and, and a spot with a sponsor, I got to this point and my sponsor looked at me and he said, did you hear what that says? He says, read it again, Monty. Uh, and, and, and he says, you know what, what I see you doing, Monty, I don't think you are convinced because you're still trying to remove your own character defects. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm working on my defects. He goes, you're not getting it. It says we ask God to remove our character defects.
2: If we could remove our character defects by wishing. Yeah, yeah. We would be doing a whole lot better job in this world right now, wouldn't we?
0: We sure would. And so we come to this point, okay, okay, Monty, are you convinced now, for crying out loud, that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you? How can you remove self-will from self-will? You know. Uh, you
2: know, the mind, the mind is the problem. We, we yeah. feel that the, the the problem lies in our mind. So our mind trying to heal our mind, you, you know, uh, doctors don't work on themselves. They go to other doctors. You know, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, the, the craziest thing that you'll hear from an alcoholic is I'm going to do it better next time. Oh yeah. Now it now or, or it won't happen again. Or, you know, I've learned my lesson. I mean I mean, yeah, we'll we'll say that and sometimes we'll even believe it and sure. mean it. But the fact of the matter is is we're caught up in a struggle. The the struggle uh called alcoholism and without help it is too much for us. Yeah. Uh but there is one who can uh uh who can relieve us of that obsession and uh, that one is God uh may you find him now uh the or you must find him now according to uh the original manuscript mm-hmm. so you know absolutely this is again this is not a self-help program this is an accessing the power of god program mm-hmm. make no mm-hmm. mistake about it
0: yeah and that's what drives me crazy about when if if i go to uh to upload maybe some of the shows to a different pro- uh you know, website or podcast program or something. It'll give you a list of categories for your show. And under health, it'll have several things. And one of them is self-help. It's the only it's the only category they've given that even comes even close to what the rest of the world might think a 12-step fellowship would be. And I always hate that because it's not a, a self-help thing. It's
2: inappropriate. You yeah. know, there are recovery sections now in bookstores, and it's more appropriate to put it there but uh, but but I'll tell you what you know there there really isn't a category for this now every once in a while I get into deep discussions you know with uh, with some of my european friends and and some of my european friends are are flat atheists they'll tell you look I'm an atheist I mm-hmm. go to meetings I've, I've been able to stay sober and maybe they have but I'll tell you what monty they still suffer oh, from yeah. guilt shame and remorse they yeah. still suffer from depression and anxiety and fear they're still restless irritable and discontented Okay, they've not they've not achieved recovery. They think sobriety is recovery. Yeah. They don't understand that it's a complete rebuilding of of one's life system. And and I think if you remain an atheist, not believing in any power greater than yourself, I think what you're doing is you're chaining yourself to the starting line.
0: Ah. Uh, good point. Well said. You bet. You know what? Next week we're going to be talking about a whole other chapter, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, "Oh, here I am a listener, maybe I have never read the big book, maybe I've never gone through this thing and I've, and I've got my notes and everything on how it works, and here you just hit me with this reality that you have made a good beginning, and I turn the page and it says, "Into action, oh my gosh, I thought we were doing that." <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's what we're going to be doing uh, uh, next week, listeners, is going into uh, Chapter 6 into action uh, out of this just wonderful, and I believe God-ordained an anointed book called The Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Chris, thank you, my friend. This is uh, – every time we get done with another chapter, I, I do, I get goosebumps. It just – it just uh, and my pages are <laughs> – You know, I told you before that I've got highlights on my highlights now, and you know, I've got—I feel like one of those really, really, really old old timers because now I got pages falling out.
2: (laughs) You you know, I I, a lot of a lot of—I've started a new practice, Monty, and every single time I go through the steps or go through the book, I use a new book. Oh, do you? Uh, I do, I do, because I'm I'm opening myself to a new experience. When, when I see a whole bunch of highlights and everything like that, it brings me it brings me back to an experience I've had, and that's wonderful. That's good because I've learned so much. But what I'll do is, is I'll say, God, show me what you want me to do this time. And uh, wow. you know, this is when I go through the steps, not when I do big book studies. Right. But uh, I'll show God, show me what, show me what I need to see this time, and I'll do it with a blank book. And, you know, this This only comes from uh, someone who's gone through the big book yeah. oh, quite possibly 200 to 300 times. And each time uh, I'm brought to a new understanding, a, a new level of awareness... Uh, A new perspective on some of these concepts, and it's a wonderful experience. You know, these these spiritual books, the Bible is is certainly one of them. Will hit you where you are. Yeah. You know, wherever you are spiritually, it's going to resonate and speak to you. So uh, this is a living. This is a living book to me. Oh yes. It's it's alive.
0: Well, what a great idea! Now, see, now that's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, I'm I'm picking up a new sponsor here, and I'm just going to have to. Grab another book. That is such a great idea. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah, uh, open open God up a little bit more to it than, uh, than than previous experience.
0: Good, good idea. Good stuff. Well, my friend, thank you so much once again. It is, as always, an, an honor and a learning experience. And I hope, listeners, that uh, that you've enjoyed uh, this week's uh, Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder next week, Into Action. Uh, if you don't have a big book, my friends, uh, I've got a couple ideas for you. Go ahead and give me a call at take12radio.comcast. I mean, uh, email at take12radio.comcast.net. We've got a couple of resources. And uh, listen... Don't forget, God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you don't believe it, it's okay. We believe it, and all you got to do is be willing, right, Chris?
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: all right. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to be back with us next week when, once again, Chris Schroeder and the Monty Men walk through the Big Book. Bye bye.